Hello, and welcome to another episode of Drunk Theology. This is your host, the Reverend C.H. Brown, known as Chaz, and I am so glad that you're joining me this week. I know that um, you are going to be blessed this week as you just continue in your walk with God and beginning to strive in your journey with Him. Uh, This week, of course, we're continuing on the challenge of the gospel, specifically the challenge of communication, the challenge of communication. That is, a, that is an, an aspect of our relationship with God that is key. It's so important to have that in our lives, to learn to speak to God in such a way that we're not merely speaking to the air. You know, that was the thing that, uh, that the disciples noticed about Jesus as I covered last week. They noticed that about him. They noticed that he would go away and pray for hours at times. And he would behave in such a way that that uh, it was like he was actually talking to somebody and that they were speaking back to him. And that must have like been kind of awe-inspiring. And they, they questioned them. They said, teach us to pray. You know, these are Jewish men. These are boys that grew up in the synagogue. And they were taught how to pray. And they were taught the prayers of, of, of their faith. And, and yet here they're like, you know, we want to pray the way you pray. There's something different, something powerful about it. It's like you're actually speaking to God. You know, that's, that's the interesting part of prayer, that it isn't just speaking into the air. I remember when I, you know, back in 1979, so this goes back a long ways, but I used to work at a, at a factory. It was, uh, they, they serviced and maintained and repaired electric motors, huge electric motors, and some s- smaller ones as well. But, you know, uh, there was a, a gentleman there. His name was Charlie Hobbs. And Charlie Hobbs was a, was a guy that, uh, you know, even though it was 1979, and the hippie era was kind of already done and over with. He was still kind of hippie-ish, you know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, he just he just had that vibe about him. And he was a precious guy. I mean, I loved his wife and his children. They were they were just so so beautiful, and uh, he just had that air about him. Uh, uh, you know, coming out of that era in the Jesus movement, and and you know, I I had not come to know Christ yet, and. Part of his job was to take the motors that had come into the shop that were disassembled, and he would put them in particular order and inventory them, and then he would bring them to me. And my job was to steam clean them and keep them in the order that he brought them to me so that when they would go to the next person for the maintenance or repair, whatever was going to be done to that motor. And every time he would deliver the parts to me, he would come two or three times a day, uh, he would deliver the parts to me, he would... He had this big beaming smile on his face. He was always in a good mood. His eyes were cheery. And he would talk to me about God. And I did not want to talk to him about God. You know, uh, I found him bothersome. I didn't mind speaking to him about other things. He was a very jolly fellow, as it were. But, you know, I didn't want to talk to him. And he would ask me questions about God. And I would be very snide and rude to him and and say things that were mean-spirited and 
and used language that would make a sailor blush. And, but it didn't faze him. His smile was still there. His eyes were still beaming. And, and he would just talk to me about the Lord. And, and I, you know, I remember one time he asked me a question. He says, do you know Jesus? And I looked at him and I said, I know of Jesus, just like you know of Jesus. But nobody, nobody knows Jesus. And he said, no, I do. <laughs> I, I know him. And that just bugged me. Because there would be many times he would come and he was, yeah, the Lord said this, or, you know, Jesus really was speaking to my heart about this. And it was like he talked about Jesus as if he just got off the phone with him. And that would bug me. It would irk me. I would just, ugh. But the truth is, is that he had a communication and a relationship with God. He had a communication and a relationship with the Most High. And so he would uh, come by and always ask me questions. And I finally, long story short, I finally came to accept Christ through his, his refusal to allow my ranting to stop him from having joy about Jesus. It's because he knew him. He spoke to him. And he knew that he was listening. And that's what the disciples were looking at. They were looking and thinking, gosh, you know, how is it that he is able to do this? How is it that he is able to speak this way? So they, they asked him, you know, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. We want to we have that kind of intimacy that you have. We want to have that relationship. We don't want to... Uh, to have to struggle. We don't want to feel like we're just talking into the air. We want to know that we are in communion with God. And so he would, uh, he, he, Jesus began to teach them as we covered last week. You know, the relationship is an intimate relationship. It's a relationship of intimacy. It's when you approach God, you, you approach him as Abba, as, as daddy, like a small child. You know, and that relationship. One of the things I enjoyed uh, and still do I enjoy about visiting my son, uh, Matt, is his, his children. He has four of them. And I love hearing them call him daddy because there's just a, a cherished, intimate relationship that they have with him. And I remember Malachi, the oldest, you know, he's, he's 12, a little over 12 now, 12 and a half just about. And uh, I think it was when he was about 11 and a half or so, you know, he, he came downstairs and he's, he said, dad. And the look on Matt's face was like shocked. And he looked at him. He said, what'd you call me dad? And he, and he says, no, I'm daddy. You know, <laughs> and what it was is he didn't want to lose that, that preciousness of that relationship, that bond that, that forms with a small child. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. Look, when you come to God, come to him like he's your daddy. Abba. You know, come to him with that preciousness, that innocence. Reverence his name. Because remember, then he goes on and says, Hallowed be your name. Reverence his name. Remember his name. That's, it's, it's beautiful and it's holy and it's precious. Yes, and it's awesome and it's powerful and, and everlasting, but... He's your daddy. You enter into that relationship. And, 
And, and so that, that was the thing. And then, of course, he said, then don't start praying about things. Start praying about the things that interest God. That's why he said, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Start praying about the things that interest God and how that you want to be a part of that, that you want to have an interaction in that, that you don't, don't want to be left out of his plans. That, you know, because the earth is not this planet. The earth is you. We're made out of the dust of the earth. Let your will be done in this earth, in me, as it is in heaven. Start beginning to dwell on the things of God and his purposes and his plans and, 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 and goals for your life and your family's life and for, this, for, for humanity's life and for all of heaven. Start focusing on those things. And then after that, you can begin to, to present your needs. And that's why he goes on in, in, verse, in verse 6 or verse uh, 11, I mean. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now you can start talking to him about the things that are of concern on your heart. You know, the daily bread isn't just food. But think about what the food represents, the bread. Bread is something that is, it's a staple, something that's important. It's, it's nourishing. It, it feeds you. It satisfies. You know, bread is, is, is a representation here. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Start feeding on him. He says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, so it's a matter of, of, of the things that nourish life. So you start praying for people and you start praying for situations. You start praying about needs. You start presenting them to the Father, even though he already knows them before you ask. But it's that interaction that's important. You see, because that bread represents something else. You know, in in our day and age, and this is something that that Shelley and I strove to have in our family life when our when our children were small, and not only because we were Christians, but it was also the way that that we were both were raised. And we came from two different socioeconomic backgrounds. You know, we lived on different sides of the county, and I'm the one that married up. I, I got the better end of the deal, but uh, you know, we determined that that we're going to have family meals, you know, if not daily, at least four or five times during the week, and that we were going to sit down as a family. And the reason for that is because it's at the table. It's at a table where you're sharing food and you're eating, that you can begin to speak to each other and talk to one another and to care about what's going on uh, in your lives. And so that's, that's the beauty of it. The beauty of, of being able to share at the table. So that, so that we find that the concept that Jesus is saying is like, this is a time for you to share your heart, to open up and to talk. Now, after you've done all the preliminaries, as it were, believe me, the preliminaries are important because they set up, they set the stage for this relationship. 
they set the stage for this for this friendship and you begin to share your heart you know that's what it's about just communing with him and you begin to develop this friendship with Jesus see Jesus told his disciples later on he said he goes I don't call you servants I call you friends because I share with you the things that are my plans and my goals and my purpose. I share with you things and reveal things to you because you're my friend. And that's the relationship that we're, we're developing with God. We're developing this, this friendship. And you do that at a table of friendship and communing. And it's there that you can share your heart. Say, you know, I'm really concerned about this or that. I'm really concerned about this person. I'm concerned about my finances. But because you've entered into this friendship, you're able to talk openly and to share. And he's able to speak back and to commune with you. And that's the important part, you know, is, is listening to him. See, he's the bread of life. He is, he, is, he is the Word of God. And so God will begin to speak to you. During that time of prayer, he, he, may, he may speak to you in that still, small voice that we read about in His Word and begin to reveal things to you. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. I mean, when that happens, it'll knock your socks off, man. Like, whoa because he's speaking with that still small voice. Or maybe after you're done praying that you begin to spend some time reading his word. I'm a big proponent of reading the Bible after you've been in prayer, not the other way around. And the reason for it is because you've already set the table. You've already set the stage. You've already created the atmosphere. You, you, you've, you've created a space where you're already zoned in on God so that when you start reading his word, he starts speaking to you through his word. And things that you had read before a hundred times all of a sudden make absolute sense for your situation. And it's God breathing life, making that the bread of life that feeds you and nourishes you and will let you know that your situation is going to be okay because you're in relationship with him and you're his child and he's your daddy and he's going to move on your behalf. But there's another thing that needs to be taken care of during this time. And we find that in the next verse. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, um, I like that. Forgive us our debts. Now, he's not talking about your credit card debt that you ran up during the COVID. He's not talking about uh, the time you decided that you needed that new car or, or that you needed that new uh, violin or whatever. Uh, whatever your fancy is, piece of jewelry, new dress. Uh, you know, he's not talking about that kind of debt. He's talking about sin because sin is a debt. You know, I, 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 how can I say this? I love credit cards. 
because they're such a great representation of sin. Because one of the traps of credit cards is, if you've ever noticed, even if you get a good interest rate on them after the 0% promotion, you know, it's going to be at least 15, 18, 19, 20%, many times 28, 29, 30% interest. And if you only make the minimum payment, you're never going to get out of debt. You never are. It's made to enslave you so that you are a debtor to the bank forever. That's the way sin is. If you only make minimal stabs at at having a relationship with God, your debts are going to just pile up because we're human, we're imperfect, and we and we're always going to sin. We're always going to do something wrong somewhere along the line. And so he says, during this time, ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. And he will separate you from your sin as far as the east is from the west. Though your sins be as scarlet, the scripture says, you will be white like wool because he has provided the sacrifice for you in his son. That's what's important. You can't pay back this debt, but he can forgive you of it and make it as if you have never, ever sinned. That's a theological word called justification that only God can do. But, there's another but, He says, as we forgive our debtors. You see, how can you expect to be the recipient of forgiveness unless you're willing to forgive others? Unless you're willing to forgive them. You see, if you're going to be a reflection of God, then you must have the same mindset and attitude of God. Remember when we covered in the challenge of the be attitudes, one of the attitudes that we were to be, that we find is mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. We need to be able to be merciful towards those who have wronged us, who have mistreated us, who have sinned against us, who have done wrong and swindled us, we need to be willing to forgive them and, in fact, forgive them. Now, understand, you cannot forgive their sin. Only God can do that. It's going to be between them and God. But you must exhibit the image of God and be merciful towards them. That doesn't mean that you have to have a relationship with them that's hunky-dory and as if the person was your best bud doesn't mean that at all. You know, one of the hardest times of the year for most people here in the United States and probably throughout the world, but I'll speak of the U.S., is socially is the holidays, the year-end holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. Because traditionally we have large family gatherings. You say, I don't want to be with that family member. I can't stand them. They are such a two-faced. They, they, they are a backstabber. They are 
a gossiper, and they are always saying horrible things about me, and they're always mistreating me, and they're putting me down. I can't stand their face. They are just, they, they are too much. I don't want to be in their freaking presence. You see, you need to come to a place that you forgive them for the way they are. You can't change the way they are. But the one thing you can do, actually two, one is be merciful. Understand they are who they are and you're not going to change them. And so you need to be the image of God. Be merciful so that you can obtain mercy. That's why Jesus, uh, at the conclusion of the model prayer, you know, says in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. God cannot forgive you if you're not willing to be forgiving. So you need to have that mindset. You know what? I can't change them. That's the way they are. So I'm just going to love them. And I'm going to treat them with kindness. I'm going to treat them with love. I'm going to treat them with respect. Now, the second thing you do is you draw a line. You say, yeah, I know I can't. I can only have so much interaction with them. I can only have so much contact with them because then they're going to do things and say things and behave in ways that are going to hurt me. And so you protect yourself. You know, the scripture says, guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. So guard your heart so that Instead of poison coming out of you, out of your mouth, toward them, instead, love and goodness and kindness comes out towards everyone around you. So protect your heart. Know, draw lines, draw parameters. Know that you can only have so much interaction. And God can show you and teach you those things and how to do that so that you can receive forgiveness and walk in that forgiveness and that grace. He goes on and says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the other thing to pray about, after talking about all the things that are concerning your heart, after asking for your daily bread, asking for the things that you have need of today, and forgiving others and, and receiving forgiveness, says pray that you do not are not led into temptation. Pray that you don't go that way. Because temptations are all around you. But don't be led by them. That's the thing. And it's something that we need to make an issue of prayer because it's very easy. It's very easy to fall prey to the temptation. It's very easy to fall into that. That's what God spoke to, to, to uh, Cain when he didn't receive his sacrifice and Cain was all upset and butt hurt and you know yeah you you love Abel and you know <laughs> you know and 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 God says you know what you can do well you know what you presented you know that it was half-hearted he goes you but you you have the ability to do it you can do well 
The temptation lies at the door. He's letting him know, you know, but understand that temptation is going to be there to not do well. But you can. You can do well. You are in control of your destiny if you're giving yourself over to him. That sounds like an oxymoron to me, but it's true. If you de- if you determine I'm going to 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 pattern myself after him, I'm going to follow hard after him. Man, I'm going to tell you. Then when temptation comes, you won't be led by that. Instead, you'll be led by the Spirit. He'll say, "No, don't do that. Don't go away." You'll feel the you you will feel the shepherd's the shepherd's staff, you know, prodding you. Let's go this way instead. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Don't be led by temptation. Be led by me. And I love this. He says, and deliver us from the evil one. Understand that that you do have an enemy. You do have an enemy that you don't see, but he's there to try to get you to fall for the temptation. That's what happened in the garden with the serpent. The tree of life wasn't there to tempt them, Adam and Eve. It was there as a test, a test to themselves, to remind themselves, I'm going to follow the ways of the Lord. I'm going to follow the ways of God. I'm going to be his image. I'm going to be a reflection of who he is. And it's a test to say, okay, am I doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this? Am I, I, you know, being fruitful and multiplying? They had very simple command. And it was there as a test, but the, the evil one can come and twist God's word ever so slightly and turn it into a temptation to get you to do that which is not beneficial to you. And if you do, God, it, isn't, it isn't that God's going to hate you. It isn't that God's going to disown you. He will still love you and cherish you, and he is still your daddy. And you can still receive forgiveness. But Jesus is trying to preempt all that by saying, pray about your attitude toward temptation. Remind yourself as you pray and ask the Father, help me to not be led by that, but help me to be led by your Spirit. See, it's that powerful friendship that you enter into with him, that you know that he's there able to meet all your needs. And that's why he, he goes on in conclusion of this prayer. that says, and, and after all this, the way you conclude your prayer time is not by a quick amen. Okay, I'm out of here. See you later, God. No, it's by this. He says, then conclude it with, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It's a time of exalting God, not because God needs his ego built up, not because he needs an ego boost or wants to hear how great he is, but it's to remind you, yes, I know that he can lead me out of temptation and deliver me from the evil one because his is the kingdom, his is the power, and his is the glory forever. 
I know that he's able to meet my daily bread, give me my daily bread that I have need of and nourish me and to take care of the situations and the struggles and the trials that my friends and myself and my family and whatever you've prayed about, I know he's got an answer for them because his is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. And this, and he's my friend and he's my daddy. He's looking out for the best for me. And I know he's going to meet my need. I know he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Because his is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. It's one of the things that I love to do myself before I enter into prayer. You know, and I well, I mentioned this, I think, in the last podcast, but bears repeating. You know, I've been listening to Elevation and Worship lately because of the new drop that they did and just some of the wonderful, wonderful music that's flowing out of out of that fellowship right now. And I love it because it primes me. It reminds me. And it gets me ready to enter in to the kingdom of God and to enter into his presence. To go spend time with the Father. To be thankful and to say, Lord, examine me. Search my heart. Make me the way you want me to be. Create in me that clean heart. So that when I know I begin to pray, I can pray effectively. And I know that I'm communing with him and he's speaking to me. And it's at that time, man, he'll begin to speak in that still small voice. I mean, when that happens, my friend, boy, it'll blow your socks off. It'll be like, oh, man. And you'll know that it wasn't it wasn't your idle imagination. It wasn't the flesh, as it were, but it was his presence and his voice speaking to you, guiding you and directing you. It's his spirit that all of a sudden when you read that word, it makes everything pop out in capital letters. As you know, he's talking. And he's being led, you're being led by his spirit. And it's because you've been spending time with him. Even some of you right now are feeling and sensing, you know what, I need to go spend time with him. I, I, I want to have that, that friendship. I want to have that relationship. I, wanna, I want him to be my daddy. And don't hesitate. Go as soon as this podcast is over. Just go and do that. Just be consistent like I talked about before. You don't have to spend hours. You don't even have to spend a half hour. You just need to be consistent. If it's five minutes, but let it be five minutes of consistency that you enter and he will begin to work in wondrous ways. And you'll know that you've been in contact with the living God. <laughs> you know that you have spoken to the creator of heaven and earth and that he is paying attention to you and listening to you and talking to you. Amen. Well, God bless you. That's all I have for you this week. And um, I will be back next week where we'll talk a little bit more about the challenge of communication, how that we can use that communication to talk to others, you know, whether it be family members, friends, 
co-workers, employers, people on the streets, that, that you know how to treat people and love on people and to, to enter into interactions with people that bring the, the abundant life into your home, into your heart, and into your mind and spirit. Yeah. And you're going to just, just grow by leaps and bounds. Anyway, so I will see you next week or speak to you next week. So may God richly bless you. Shalom. <laughs>